Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the message. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing and how you can get involved, check out our website, message.org.uk. So we're uh, going to keep uh, chugging through the book of Ephesians and we've reached uh, chapter 3 as I've been doing these Tuesday mornings. Um, if you want a title for this talk, it's The Remarkable Mystery That Is The Church. And here you are. What a remarkable mystery you all are, part of the church of Jesus. Let's just read first uh, 13 verses of, of chapter 3. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles, surely have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this, then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which is not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I'm less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Okay, we live in a very divided society, don't we? You can see it at like micro level and the macro level. United can't even play City without chucking chairs at each other. I mean, there's this fantastic game. Last Tuesday, it wasn't Colin, was it? And Carol. But uh, we, we can't even play a great game of football. United won, but City got through to the final. We've all got things to celebrate there. You know, the second time this season, United have beaten City. Um, and, uh, and it was a great day for United fans. We played great with all these injuries. And it was a great day for City fans because uh, they somehow sneakily got through to the cup final. But, and then they end up a mass riot and a mass fight. What's that all about? Why are we like that as people? Why can't we just enjoy things, enjoy good things? But, you know, forget football. What about our society? Don't you think this whole Brexit debate has, has torn our nation apart over the last three years, whichever side you sit on? And, I, you know, my radio of choice, because I'm nearly 60, is Radio 5 Live. And uh, the way the debate, you know, a lot of that is phonings. The phonings are at a different level of hostility than I've ever come across. And if you think it's bad here, try living in America. Across the pond, they talk about two Americas now. And even in the church, the church is just split right down the middle. Half the church thinks Donald Trump is God's appointed champion and the other half, half thinks he's an absolute heretic and they spend all the time arguing on social media about it. And it's so sad, isn't it? A divided society. I heard that this Christmas and Thanksgiving were altogether different in America because people just didn't want to be together because they knew it would just kick off and there would be divisions and arguments and many families didn't come together in the way they have done for generations. How sad is that? 
We do live in a very divided society, don't we? And, you know, we hope now that we haven't got Brexit done, but we started to get Brexit done. We can start to get on a bit better, perhaps. But into this divided society comes the beautiful gospel of Jesus. And the good news of Jesus is that for us, there's no rich, no poor, no male, no female, no Jew or Gentile, no slave or free. We're all one in Christ Jesus. That's what the Bible says. Christians are never told to be one in the Bible. You know that. We're told we are one and we're commanded to live like it. We are one in Christ. There's only one church, one body, one Lord, one Saviour. And we're meant to live like that. We're meant to do everything we can as the body of Christ to model something very different from the world around us, from a divided society. We're meant to be a people whose core value is unity. And I love that we get a little taste of that in the message. And there's so many streams and denominations and opinions, but actually there's a sense, well, we are one people and we, we do pretty well at that. We've got to keep working at it and keep being better at it. But thank you, Lord, for one body. Thank you for the church of Jesus. Remember the guy writing these words, Paul, the apostle, is a guy who not too long before that used to pray every day. I thank you, Lord, that I'm not a slave that I'm not a woman and I'm not a Gentile. Everything about his religion was all about division. I'm not like you. I'm better than you. I'm separate from you. The whole of the Jewish faith was built upon the chosen people and the outsiders. And it was shocking and revolutionary to bring the kind of teaching that Paul is bringing here, that the door is open to God's covenant through Jesus. It's not just for the Jews. It's for all people. But that's exactly what he said and it's exactly what got him thrown in prison for several years at this point in his life. He starts off Ephesians chapter 3 by saying, for this reason. And of course, whenever you read something like that in the Bible, you better find out what the reason is. For this reason. Well, the reason is everything I was talking about in, in chapter 2. For this reason, that all of us now have a heavenly passport with all the benefits of being citizens of heaven We've also got a new birth certificate, if you remember. We're born again, children of God. I'm an heir with Christ Jesus in, in to eternal life and all the benefits that become of being part of the family of God. Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. That's who I am. For that reason, for that reason, Paul says, I, a prisoner of Christ. Hmm. A prisoner of Christ, Paul? Surely you're a prisoner of... Nero, you've been a prisoner for about five years on trumped-up charges of this fanatical Jewish opposition who hate you speaking about all this unity and the fact that God's Spirit is being poured out on all flesh. Paul writes that, for this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, because he wants us to know that nothing happens to the man or woman of God about the mission of God that God doesn't allow. You know, Nero isn't keeping him in prison. With a word in a moment, in a second, Jesus can release him. If, he's, if his hand is on his life and he's calling. And perspective's everything, isn't it? When we go through difficulties in life, or when we're having to work hard at something, perspective is everything. I, I heard about Sir, Sir Christopher Wren, you know, walking around the, the building site that was St. Paul's Cathedral. Ten years he spent designing this building. 
and, and there's hundreds, possibly thousands of people, men and women working on this incredible structure that will take 40 years to build. And he went up to three stonemasons. He said to the first stonemason, what are you doing? And the guy said, I'm chipping away this piece of stone to put in that hole there. He went to the second stonemason and said, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm earning a living for my family. This is what I do. I've been through a trade and, and I, I'm earning a living to pay for my family. And he went to the third stonemason and he said, what are you doing? And he said, I work for Sir Christopher Wren and I'm making a magnificent cathedral. Three people doing exactly the same thing with completely different perspective. Whose chest do you think was puffed out? Who went home with a sense of self-worth and purpose? Because perspective's everything, you get me? And I hope that when you're processing data at the end of an exciting day of processing data or, or when you're dealing with some difficult situation or, or when you're you know, working through the accounts or, or when you're cleaning the building, whatever it is, whatever you're doing, I hope you do it and your chest puffs out and you're able to say, I'm part of an organisation that reaches the hardest to reach in the power of the Spirit all over the world. I'm part of an organisation that's seen thousands won for Christ. You know, I'll play my part in that. And I may be a behind-the-scenes part of that, but actually it doesn't matter. We're in this thing together. We're building a mighty cathedral for Jesus, not out of stones, but out of human temples sent out in the power of the Spirit. What a privilege to be involved in something like this. And if you've joined us recently, get excited about what you're part of. I'm not in a stinking Roman jail. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm a slave for Jesus Christ. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ for the gospel, hemmed in to his will. And so I'm in a good place. We're privileged to partner with God as he creates this crazy, radical, new, multicultural society in every corner of the planet. It's called the family of God and the temple in which he lives. And here we are part of it from all over the world, all different shades of people, but one people, one body, one Lord. And there are three words in Ephesians chapter three that I want to kind of try and draw out that explain Paul's ministry. And I would love them to be the three words that describe our ministry as we move forward. All, all the opportunities we've got. Three words that please God, allow it, them to be words that are all over the message in the future. And the three words, our first word is grace. Grace is our word. Grace is the Christian word. Nobody else understands grace. You go to any other religion, any other way of life, any other culture, they don't understand undeserved love. You get what you deserve, but we don't get what we deserve, do we? We get grace, we get the love of God. It's the Christian way, it's a unique way, it's a beautiful word. And twice, God speaks to Paul and Paul writes down under the power of the Spirit, God's grace was given to me. Verse two, he says, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me. And in verse seven, he says, I became the servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me. See, Paul knew he needed the unmerited favour of God to work in partnership with the living God. The very fact we're sat in this room, it's all grace, isn't it? 
you know, when I think what my heart's like, think how much I've offended God, how much I've let him down, and yet he allows me to be a, a, a partner with the living God. He allows me into his presence. He, he blesses me, he favours my life. How good is God? Don't we need to get overwhelmed by the grace of God? Without grace, we're stuffed, but we are recipients of grace. And there's a call on our life. Let's enjoy God's grace. Let's shower God's grace. Let's not be chipped up Christians who receive amazing grace from God and then don't lavish it on the world. Do you get me? So grace is a, a touchstone word for us. The second word is revelation. Three times in, in this passage, he uses the word mystery. In verse three, he said, in this reading, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ in verse 4. He says, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. And in verse 9, he says, grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. You know, a mystery is, is something obscure and puzzling. To describe the gospel that way, it's so sad, isn't it? How gutted are you that so many people in our city, in our nation, in our world, the gospel is just a mystery. It's just mystery to them. It's just obscure and puzzling. They don't get it, you know. They see those weird Christians and religious people and they're like, I don't get it. It's, it's a complete mystery to me. It ought to break our heart that there's young people in our city. The gospel's a mystery to him. It's life to us. It's, it's grace to us. It's joy to us. It's everything. We understand the real gospel, but they don't. It's just a mystery to them. And I love what Tim and Emma have actually chosen to put on the Northwest Hub Office wall, going right back to our roots. Right at the start, when we started the Worldwide Message Drive, this was our kind of strap line. And you'll see it in the office just around the corner. To give every young person repeated opportunities to accept Jesus. And on choosing to accept him to be connected with a faith-filled, Bible-believing local church to grow in their faith. Isn't that great? To give every young person. And, you know, I, I, I'd love to stand before Jesus and at least I know every young person's heard it. It's not a mystery to them. They've been allowed to accept or reject it for themselves. It's not some weird, obscure thing. It ought to be our, our passion and our burning desire that... Not a single person we meet would, would not understand the gospel at least and be given the opportunity to accept it. We need the importance of repeated opportunities. Just keep going, we keep going and we keep going and we keep going. And then we look back and wow, we've got a harvest. I had a great text came in this morning. First thing I read this morning. A girl, woman now, of course, in her 50s who used to be in my youth group and 40 years ago, me and Michelle led Adele to the Lord. And she said this, and Michelle just forwarded it to me. She says, hi, Michelle. I hope this doesn't sound weird, but I was just praying for you and Andy, and you came into my mind. I just wanted to thank you for being part of sharing the gospel with me all those years ago. I'm not sure I've ever thanked you or Andy properly. I'm so grateful. Now my children are going on with God too, and her mother's become a Christian. I just wanted to encourage you both, sending you lots of love. What a precious precious text that is 40 years she's been going on with God and 
led her kids to the Lord and her mum to the Lord and, and all the repercussions of that and all the life that's come to that one family from that one decision. And I remember being in the upper room, you know, say after me, Adele, dear Lord Jesus, please come into my life, forgive my sins. And, yeah, and, he, and he did and he, and he met her and he encountered her and, and decades later, there's a harvest. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that what we want? So we're going to stop now. And in a second, we're going to pause the tape because I want you to get your phone out. Get your phone out. And I'm sure you've all got an airplane mode because you don't want any distractions this morning. But switch it off airplane mode. And I want you to send a text to somebody, just the way Adele did to me and Michelle this morning. Somebody who's played a part in your salvation. And just because that lit up my morning, that, it took her like 10 seconds, didn't it? And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Well, somebody, there's somebody who's played a part in you being here, isn't there? And you need to just say thank you because this is what we're rejoicing. We rejoice that God has allowed us to be part of his purpose. God's revealed not just the gospel to us through his people, but his purpose for our lives. So stop, pause the tape. If you're listening on the tape, stop your car, whatever you're doing, get your mobile phone out and just send an encouraging message to someone. Say thank you, go for it. So Paul wants us to get a fresh revelation of the gospel. You know, you only understand the gospel because God's revealed it to you by his spirit. You don't understand the gospel because you were in the right gig and the preacher was on form. You understand the gospel because God revealed it to you. You understood it and you had a heart and you received the gift of faith. So there's that amazing revelation that came to you. How blessed are you? It's all grace. But the Lord also wants to reveal to you your part in this glorious gospel plan. He wants to, you know, Paul's got this great sense of not only have I received the grace of God, me, you know, the guy who was all about destroying the church, amazing grace, but I've got this call on my life to go to the Gentiles. So have you. You are a recipient of the grace of God and you have a call on your life. We read about it, didn't we, last week? good works planned in advance for you to do reveal it to us thought about Romans chapter 10 when I was preparing this um, you know those famous verses that we know so well but how how powerful are they everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved but how then can they call on one they've not believed in and how can they believe in on one whom they've not heard and how can they hear without someone preaching to them and how can anyone preach unless they're sent as it's written how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news yes everyone who calls on the Lord on the name of the Lord truly with a, a heart will be saved we know that don't we but somebody's got to go Somebody's got to go out with that message, haven't they? Somebody's got to have a revelation, not just that I've got my little relationship with Jesus, but I've got a gospel that must be shared. Would you give us a fresh sense of revelation towards that of the message? I love the fact, honestly, that loads of you chose to be here out of work time, not getting paid to be trained to be preachers last night. I'm really, I honestly, when I heard that, I, you know, I was on a plane on the way back from Edinburgh, Edinburgh. no, where was I? Aberdeen, <laughs> somewhere in Scotland. <laughs> yeah, on the way back from Aberdeen, yeah. But I, first text I got, great time with Sam and Ben being trained to be preachers and trained to communicate the gospel more effectively. I love the fact we have all sorts of people from all sorts of different departments who want to be part of that. 
and you'll still have more chance to get involved in that in, in weeks to come if you want to. But brilliant that dozens of you are here, apparently. Good job. So, grace is so important. Revelation is so important. And the third word that Paul brings over loud and clear in Ephesians chapter 3, if we're going to be fruitful ministers of the gospel, if we're going to live the right kind of lives, is humility. So Paul, the great apostle, has much to be proud about, you know, in terms of intellect and background and training. Yet in verse 8, as he weighs all this up, and he thinks about this remarkable call on his life, the grace of God poured out into his life, as he thinks about the revelation of his part in the purposes of God, he describes himself as less than the least of all the Lord's people. You're probably the most significant Christian who's ever lived, Paul. And yet his sense was, I'm less than the least of all the Lord's people. And I've got a feeling if, you, if we had Paul leading prayers this morning, we'd be a little bit disappointed. <laughs> because he says, I came to you in fear and trembling. I wasn't very eloquent. And apparently Paul was a little man. Uh, and not physically very impressive. Even his name meant little, you know, Paulus meant little one. And in some ways, I think he may have been a stumbling, mumbling little man. And perhaps, you know, why have you brought this joker into lead Tuesday prayers, Andy? But wow, God's hand was on him. And he knew that actually once he was prepared to take the place of the little man, and acknowledge that he was a little man. He was in a beautiful place to be used mightily by God. In fact, only in that place of being willing to be a little man are we truly going to use, be used by God. If we try and be the big man, not a chance. God will pass us by. Because the Lord opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. I want to know what it's like to experience the favour of God and what I'm doing. While I was in Aberdeen, I was hanging out with this uh, senior leader whose church has just been offered at a fraction of the price, Aberdeen Convention Centre. The 3,200-seater convention centre and all the other facilities, they're buying it cash because they'd be paying about 10% of the market value. The last person who played there was Rod Stewart. And the Assemblies of God Church in Aberdeen is moving into that building, along with six stories of offices and all the facilities. And he just said, it's the favour of God. And I believe the guy, because he's a humble guy in his office. I want to experience just favour, God opening doors. Maybe it won't just be to buildings, but please God, let it to be opportunities for the gospel to advance your kingdom. And aren't we experiencing that? But that kind of favour only only comes to the humble, extraordinary favour. When we're, even though God may be using us in significant ways, as surely he was using Paul, that we have that sense of, oh, how the heck am I allowed to do this? I'm the less than the least of all the people at the message. I know what my heart's like. I know what my thought life's like often. I know, I know, you know, how weak I can be. I, I know what I'm like, but actually that God has allowed to use me. What a privilege. Somebody who's been arrested by grace, overwhelmed by the revelation of his calling, but still of moments of, wow, God, I'm so sinful. I'm so weak. I'm so little for all you've called to me. Deeply aware of what Paul calls the boundless riches of Christ. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? 
Oh, Lord, make us deeply aware of your boundless riches. Riches towards people like us who totally don't deserve it. Deeply aware of your calling on our life. God's got a calling on your life. He didn't just save you so you could, you know, grind your way miserably to heaven and get there through the pearly gates. He saved you so you can scatter the love of Christ abroad. Can we be those kind of people? Whatever we do, whatever we do. And as the Lord sees us humbly serving wherever he's laid before us, guess what? He can favour us. He can give us the opportunity. Imagine having the call on your life. Just to finish, imagine having the call on your life of the great apostle. You've met Jesus on the Damascus Road. He's given you this call and I'm going to show you what it means to suffer. But you're my chosen instrument to the Gentiles. He goes out, imagine seeing all the miracles and all the breakthroughs. And then he's boxed in in a prison for five flipping years. Five years thinking, what's going on, Jesus? How come I'm hemmed in? I thought I had this call to go to the furthest part, parts of the world and here I am in a stupid prison in Ephesus, not for a couple of weeks, but for five years. And yet he's doing his greatest work. 2,000 years later, we're still being blessed because he had that heart. I, I, I'm all for Jesus. Nobody, nobody can do anything. Nobody can touch me because I'm all for Jesus. I'm not looking at the circumstances. I'm looking to the King and his hands on my life and he's amazing and I'm going to be all about the boundless riches of Christ. Do you want to be that kind of person? If you do, stand up right now. Oh, let's pray. Yes, no, we are standing, Lord. We're not standing because other people are standing. We're standing because we're in Jesus. We're in. We're all in your grace. We're recipients of your grace. Without your undeserved love, your unmerited favour, we are lost and hopeless. We are so aware of that. And I pray, Lord, that you will speak right into our hearts. Reveal to us our part in your purposes. You've got good works planned in advance for us to do. A race marked out for us and we, we choose to run it well, Lord. And we choose to run it with humility. Ever we want to be puffed up and proud, just forgive us. We know you oppose that kind of person, but you show your favour to the humble. So we pray for a group of humble, servant-hearted, beautiful people who, who just please you in everything we do. Have your way, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support our work or even get involved with one of our teams. We also have another podcast called The Flow Podcast where we share stories and testimonies of the amazing things that God's doing in people's lives. Search for The Flow Podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a brand new episode there right now.